Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Bigger implication is that we're actually today already no longer writing for humans. Yeah. Like we're writing really for an algorithm. So basically, the 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 the, um, the, the cheaper version of it of an AI, right? Uh, what what we've been qualifying as like the Google algorithm really is just another AI, and, and that's who we're trying to satisfy with most of the content that's out there. Um, so it doesn't matter if you use AI for the sake of generating content for social media or if it's to generate content for, for SEO. Um, it's really important to do because the next phase of discovery and searches is coming. And you need to have kind of mastered the, 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 the tricks and tips of the, the, the current iteration. Good day, Tourpreneurs, for another episode of our Tourpreneur podcast. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Jonathan Elkubi. Jonathan is a travel and entertainment expert. He's business and development innovation leader. And he's also, from my own personal experience, a bit of a futurist and somebody who I listen to when I want to find out about the future. Today, we're going to be discussing artificial intelligence in tourism, the opportunity and the threats that go with it. Jonathan has a wide range and background. Currently, he's a business consultant on freelance. Previously, he was chief commercial officer, co-founder at Intentful AI. He's also been chief commercial officer at VisitorTix. He worked for a while in the VR world in New York City. He's also been the director of tourism and sales at Applebee's. And I think a long time ago, you were also in Ripley's, believe it or not. Believe it or not. Yeah. You're proud of that. You were working again in group tourism and corporate tourism development. So Jonathan has a long history in tourism, uh, but we're not here specifically to talk about his tour guiding and tour company operations Going back the way we're here to talk about today and the future with artificial intelligence and why it is, in my belief, a bigger opportunity than a threat. And we want our members to understand that it is an opportunity and maybe a bit of a threat, but we can mitigate those threats. So, Jonathan, can I ask you to give us an introduction to what artificial intelligence is? Um, so, artificial intelligence pretty much is the sum of processes for which you get a result that is not 100% predictable. You basically, you know, could do, it's a difference between an algorithm that is applied, let's say, as a formula to a big set of data uh, and turns out a result, predictable or not, uh, versus basically just using machine learning in most instances to come out with results that are not within the realm of prediction, purely and simply. Uh, but I mean, not being predictable doesn't mean that they cannot be uh, premonitory, right? Um, and what's fairly interesting is that it's been around actually for a very long time. Um, for the last 50 years, actually, AI has been developed um, in a multitude of products, um, especially in the software development world, um, that most people use on a daily basis without even flinching. Uh, 
I mean, think of the red line that appears on your Word document uh, whenever you do a typo or you know any sort of grammatical mistake. Um, this basically is the, the, the infancy of the capabilities of AI. Um, but obviously, to program such a feature on a massive software was not to everyone was not to in everyone's reach. Um, and what's happening now, which is why AI is becoming so prevalent in you know innovation discussions, is that really tools and tool sets and databases are now accessible and usable by pretty much anyone. Um, so that's what changes the, the, the picture, is the fact that um, if you want to, you can actually use AI in one shape or another to generate results. And it's fairly auto, like spontaneous, like using, for example, the OpenAI codec for programming, you can dictate, hey, I want a boulder that corresponds to this particular JPEG to go from point A to point B on my screen. And voila, all the code will be written by the AI live on the spot. And without knowing anything on coding, you've developed now your very first app. Um, so um, it, it's funny because, I mean, it, it really, it's science fiction that be turned into reality. It's like the, the Asimov novel, like um, a short story that was called Hal uh, in a, a book called Gold that he wrote like 50 plus years ago becoming our reality today. Um, and I think part of why it's terrorizing people is because uh, obviously we've had movies and sci-fi and um, lots of uh, warnings against uh, what AI could do in its very, very worst case scenario, you know, things like the Terminator. <laughs> um, but, um, the reality is that it's it's not conscient. It's not within the, the, this realm of uh, becoming more than just you know an expansion and extension of the human mind. Um, so you know, I, I think that gives a, a good beginning explanation as to what AI may be. Sure. The the way I've always sort of got it in my head and. I have to simplify things in my head because my, my brain's not capable of keeping really complex things in my head. So I try to simplify everything down. And I've always looked at AI specifically for the reasons in travel and tourism is it's, it's just one giant prediction machine. So it, it's predicting things better than a human can do when used properly. I know my own limited abilities in prediction. It's based on some biases. It's based on some experience. And I'll come up with some predictions, and nine times out of ten, I'll get the bloody things wrong. It's uh, funny you mention that because of the you know, like the Weather Channel, and pretty much every weather forecast in the last twenty-five years have been a possibility based on AI. Like yeah. you know, most people forget that the first supercomputers have been mostly used within the realm of meteorology and determining weather patterns. So, uh, you know, in, subconsciously, you already knew yeah. that, you know. For our listeners, if they, if they keep it simple for them, it's basically this is a way of predicting outcomes that have a higher chance of being correct. Now, if you think that through, that's obviously got applications and a whole wide range of stuff that's uh, going to be good for your business or potentially a threat for your business. So what I'd like to move on to now, Jonathan, is just focusing on where we are, tourism, the tourism and travel industry, and the scope of some of the AI that could be used, is being used, and could be used particularly relevant to travel and tourism. Straight away, I always think of, and we're all small operators, small businesses, but the, the giants of the industry, the Googles and the TripAdvisors, they've been using AI for for decades, it's getting better and better and better, but they've been using it for decades. Just simple things like web searches give the customer or give the searcher the right return. 
there is AI behind that that's getting better all the time. Google with its uh, AdWord, the money-making machine, PPC and AdWords, AI is driving that. So if you could just discuss a little bit about applications, particularly in the tourism field that tour operators may find of interest. Sure. I mean, so first, I mean, uh, the, the first one that would come to mind is content built through AI, um, you know, or assisted content, I should say, because obviously it still requires a certain degree of human, um, you know, uh, of human correction and editing and copyright, you know, copy proofing. Um, but using things like, let's say, Jasper or, you know, Hyperride or Hypersonic, there's a plethora of uh, tools that help you generate content, right? And it goes from small blurbs to massive, you know, multi-thousand words uh, pieces through AI. It's so easy to use, and yet very few actually use them. And it's a shame because when you think about it, propagation and like, like for example, when it comes to uh, marketing uh, and SEO, you know that duplicate content is never a good thing. Like So if you had the choice between writing once a description or writing it once and then use the AI to generate 60 different variants, I would take solution number two. I would have those 60 variants and I would disseminate it through my different network and different um, you know, resellers. It uh, doesn't matter if it's a you know, travel agent or an OTA. Uh, so as to not generate the, 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 this duplicate, um, you know, content. Um, now, um, the content AI is just one aspect, but, you know, the, the next big thing that's been pretty much a talk of the, the tech community for the last, you know, six months to a year uh, is uh, the whole process of, uh, you know, text to image um, that's, you know, represented through especially the advances in uh, with OpenAI of something called DAL E2, um, which is like Wall E from Pixar, but you know, obviously uh, a play on word. Um, and the DAL E2 engine generates like photorealistic pictures uh, from strings of words, right? Like prompt uh, in a matter of seconds. I actually, I was playing and posted one on LinkedIn not that long ago. Um, but you could say, uh, I want a picture, you know, I want to like imagine because that's a prompt for let's say mid journey. Uh, imagine a uh, surfer uh, like enjoying a wave in front, like with Manhattan as a background during sunset. DAI is going to give you multiple iterations, but it looks picture perfect, yet not a single component of it is actually real. I mean, in the sense that it stitched it based on the hundreds of millions of thousands of uh, images that it's analyzed over time to um, learn what it means to uh, be a surfer, um, what it is to enjoy a wave, what it's like to have Manhattan as a background, uh, you know, at different times of day, months, events, whatever. Um, so it, it's it's pretty phenomenal, and you know something that's really that's always funny when I, I think of torpreneurs. I don't think there's a single torpreneur that ever has it easy, showing and describing a group or you know people or individuals with on the same picture the individuals of a group and the tour guide <laughs> because it's either you have the tour guide taking the picture or sometimes individuals where you can't really ask them hey send me over the, the, the picture you know or take this picture perfect uh you know uh appearance of you know like whatever element and you could just tell like open ai's you know dally 2 as a prompt show a third person view of a group being guided through, you know, uh, downtown Philadelphia uh, with the guide giving an explanation. Uh, 
who, who needs stock images in this case, right? Yeah, the, the world of stock images is certainly going to be under threat for this. One of the things that I've noticed what you raised right at the beginning of that there is I'm lucky enough to get to speak to dozens and dozens of tour operators most weeks of the year. To date, I've spoken to three who are using AI to create content. So I'm sure there's more, but from my little section of connections that I speak to on a regular basis and new ones I speak to every week, very, 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 very few people are using AI in our industry at the moment to create content. Now, when we look at creating content from a tour operator's perspective, it's normally one of the things that tour operators struggle with <sighs> because it takes time. And we all know what tourpreneurs are like. They love to be out guiding. They love to be actually building the experience and demonstrating the experience to the to the guy uh, to the customers live. Actually, creating the content to get the customers in the first place is always a bit more of a challenge. So we now have a set of tools that are not in the future. They're here, available now at ridiculously cheap money that can create content at scale for even a solo entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, it's the number of and still a tiny business can still not can still now start creating content that only a medium sized or a larger business would have been able to create in volume and in quality for cheap money. Yeah, and it's it uh, it's going to come much faster than most people expect when it comes to um, going for for the next step, which really is going to be the creation of videos. Uh, that are purely artificial yet will have a photorealistic, you know, um, feel and look to it, to, to them. Um, and, and it, you know, like the, the tool is not just for written content for the sake of, let's say, uh, the, the content today. The bigger implication is that we're actually today already no longer writing for humans. Yeah. Like, we're writing really for an algorithm. So basically the, 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 um, the, the cheaper version of it, of an AI, right? Uh, what, what we've been qualifying as like the Google algorithm really is just another AI. And, and that's who we're trying to satisfy with most of the content that's out there. Um, so, it doesn't matter if you use AI for the sake of generating content for social media or if it's to generate content for, for SEO. Um, it's really important to do because the next phase of discovery and searches is coming. And you need to have kind of mastered the, 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 the tricks and tips of the, the, the current iteration. Um, I mean, looking at who uses AI today, like in massive amounts, like think Nike, like 90% today of their digital store is AI produced. Like a human has not typed the text of the, the latest Air Jordan that you're looking at on their site with this beautiful video and, uh, and images. It's been completely, um, you know, automated as far as they're concerned um, yeah. and optimized. Um, so if I look back over the last couple of years, just to give the tourpreneurs an idea of the speed of this is happening and why it's, it's fairly urgent, you need to get your head around this at the moment to identify the opportunities. I've been looking deep into this for a couple of years now and really deep for the last six months. A couple of years ago, I thought I was skilled enough to tell the difference between human written content and AI content. No. I was definitely skilled enough to tell the difference on voice AI. Okay. And I was skilled enough to tell the difference on picture AI. Two years ago, I'm going by. Today, I can't tell the difference on voice AI. I can't tell the difference on written AI when it's done well. Uh, I can't. Maybe on some picture AI, I can tell the difference if it's slight mistakes in it. But on the whole, I can't. The only one I can definitely tell the difference still in is video AI. That's the only one that I can still tell the difference on. But in six months' time, a year's time, I'm probably not going to be able to tell the difference 
on the video side as well. So the speed of development of this content that's been produced by AI, making it seem as good as a human produced, or in many cases better, as it's been always stage by stage by stage. But my own feeling now is it's going into hyperspeed. It just seems to be getting so good by the week. Yeah, it's uh, for me. What's what's fascinating is a. Uh, uh, looking at the evolution of something called deep fakes, um, deep fakes were, you know, like the way you take something that really is, uh, let's say, um, uh, you know, uh, looking at the Wizard of Oz, right, the movie, uh, and you look at Dorothy, and you have someone else's face superimposed on her. Um, deep fakes have been around for a fair amount of time. But they fooled absolutely no one, you know, 10, 15 years ago. The deepfakes that are most of the time actually like helped or enhanced through AI, um, mostly for the stitching part or seams, uh, are beyond bluffing now. Like, you, but but you see, the first thing that we would be looking at and thinking, uh, you know, is, is the maliciousness that exists in humans and determine, okay, that's terrible. You can put this politician's face and voice and make them say whatever they want. Uh, but then I'll tell you, why don't you look at the positive that can come out of it? Like, imagine that now you're doing a tour of, um, you're providing virtual tours of this remote, remote city in Italy and your tour is provided through, you know, a AR representation of Marlon Brando. Um, deep fake is good and bad. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I think that that's uh, the, the important part. The bad is going to be here no matter what. Let's face it. But the good that we can get out of any and every innovation out there uh, is just you know, as predominant. Um, so it, it's a question of determining, first of all, case studies. Um, how, how can the technology work in your, you know, to, to help further your, your, your own business? Um, and, and then it's a question of testing. Um, so, uh, I mean... One of, the, one of the big opportunities I see on threats uh, and I'm comparing this to when I started building my business back in the early 2000s, the opportunity for me then was obvious. Not many tour operators had a grasp of Google. They didn't have a grasp of SEO. Uh, I did, and I made sure I did. Therefore, we scaled and dominated the sectors we wanted to go into because it was fairly easy because no one was really competing. If you knew what you were doing with SEO, you, we built the business rapidly on the back of SEO. Uh, and today we're still all talking SEO and it's still very useful and, and it's not to be discounted. But we're moving into a brand new area where everything's by voice and therefore the, the choice is going to be given to the query from the customer who's searching, from the guest who's searching, the guest who was searching in 2010, 2016, 2019, and today is often still searching on Google and he's getting a choice of 10, 12, some paid ads, some and listings there. It's very different for the guest who's searching on voice. Yeah, no, I mean, it's what, as I said, like the, 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 the voice search that's, you know, AI powered gives you a unique result. It doesn't give you choices. And even if this was to evolve into, hey, you could do this or that, um, it's still going to be fairly limited. Like, there's no more, hey, you're on second or third or 20th page, you know, ranking. Who gives a, a damn when, you know, you, you only have two, three, four results tops because eventually it just comes down to the attention span of someone when they're listening to, you know, the answer given by an AI back to them. Um, so, Yes, it's, it's tremendously important, but then I will have to add that really it's going to turn into mostly from audio a complete switch to a visual discovery, visual search, 
Um, and that's another reason why it's so important to understand the prompts of, um, you know, that, that AI requires to do this conversion from, you know, speech to, to you know, from text or speech to image, uh, because it's going to have implications um, uh, also on the search. Um, and, and I think it's interesting because it, especially since we're, we're as tourpreneurs, we're selling experiences and tours, uh, there is a such a stronger need for discovering and understanding what someone is getting visually. Like guiding is one thing, right? Like giving information on a site, on a, uh, on a you know, a given place, there's wiki travel for that. There's Wikipedia to a certain extent, right? Even though it's very imperfect. Um, but understanding where, what you're getting as far as visual, I think that's really a, a key. Uh, so it, it's very good to be able now to train on those tools with giving prompts that come back to providing an image of what you're doing, right? If you're giving a a food tour that takes you for you know through um, like different uh, pizza and craft bars uh, in Brooklyn. Um, you want an image search of that, you know, to 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 make you come back as a first result. Uh, and people are going to be looking this way. They're going to be looking and searching through images. They're going to be looking and searching through videos. It's part of this big idea of a metaverse um, where obviously VR and XR, XR meaning VR and AR, uh, play a more important role. Um, and it's happening and it's coming very, very fast. Um, I mean, most people are like, what is a metaverse? The, the, the number one answer I can tell them is that they're already in the metaverse. The metaverse is is not a place, it's a condition. So, you know, it's just basically the, the fact that it's been now coined with a given name, um, but we're already there. Um, and the fact that we've blurred this line between our everyday life and our digital lives um, means that there is even more likelihood that the digital world will surround us on a constant basis. Um, it's not just thinking, hey, I'm going to wear contact lenses that will now replace, um, you know, the lens of my phone for seeing AR element, uh, you know, augmented reality elements like across the space. Uh, it's, you know, the, the way we share, the way we communicate with people, all of those things are going to be through the, 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 this added layer um, that that is going to basically encompass everything. Um, so, yes, it's very important now to, as I said, stay on top of the game. And the top of the game right now is AI content, at least up to a certain point. Um, yeah, for our listeners, entrepreneurs, you all know where you are in the market. Are you a multi-day operator running expeditions or two-week trips? Or you do a day tour operator in New York City or Orlando running food tours? If you're in destination and you're already getting lots and lots of your business last minute, and Google data gives us 85% of tours are booked in destination, more and more last minute, well, you're at more threat than the operator who is running multi-day, two-week tours that people plan a year ahead, six months ahead, do the research. It's a different customer journey. And the customer journey that is last-minute instant booking and in-destination, you're going to have to start, if that's you, and I know that's the majority of our entrepreneurs, you're going to have to start really thinking about this stuff on if you want to be found and you want to be found direct, and not end up taking all your business through through retailers. Because if retailers end up dominating this market, they will come up with new business models to be able to service this market that may not always involve tour operators as it does today. 
I mean, it, 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 it's completely true, and it's already happening, actually. You know, like, when it comes to the major players in, uh, you know, uh, activities, so let's say, especially, you know, OTAs, like, let's say Viator or Get Your Guide um, or Booking, they've already been spending and having case studies on deployment of AI in multiple instances. Best of example is, you know, uh, like Viator and TripAdvisor launching uh, a, an AI app specifically for Alexa for the sake of encouraging customers to book activities through, you know, audio prompts. It's not, hey, when are they going to be doing it? They've done it already. And, and you know, I think it's just that most people are just not aware of it. So, you know, or, or booking, like they like booking is uh, like it, it's fascinating in the sense that they've spent the last three years uh, de developing a massive R and D lab in Israel with data scientists, right? Like, and and it's really funny because it's a, an AI specialist. Like, <laughs> you, you wouldn't know that necessarily, and they. Like, and technically a lot of people I think may have been still stuck with the idea that AI was only around to power the back end of what we do. So, you know, a little bit like airline seating charts or airline pricing or hotel pricing, but no, like there's this front facing component that exists for the sake of, you know, providing better content, providing better um, you know, um, understanding of customer and by that meaning like giving them the best returns, right? Um, it's happening. On that front facing, and this sort of drives me insane. So a couple of months ago now, I did a quick survey of well over 100 websites of our members. So I, I just scroll through the Facebook group of Tourpreneur, Found out what businesses they were running, which will be all more organised soon as we get our map up with where you all are, which businesses you're running. But I went to their websites, and less, way less than fifty percent had chat function on their websites. Now I also know from speaking to entrepreneurs, particularly the the individuals, the solos, the, the teams of two who are out guiding all day, that they're like, we can't get back to the customers because we're out guiding, and therefore. It's like that's one of their biggest complaints. They can't do the instant communication. And it's such a shame because I think over 75% of queries for, from customers, like at any customer service, you know, like operation, are typically information that can be provided through automation. And like, I get a lot of feedback from, uh, and this is personal because people, we are humans and we're personal people take it personal. I don't like chatbots. We have a lot of entrepreneurs say, I don't like it because I've used chatbots and I hate doing them. Well, sorry, we're in the world where chatbots exist. People use them in their daily lives for every other industry, for every other thing about life. So if listeners, if you haven't got a chatbot on your website, get it done now because it enhances the service to the guest and it's not expensive, and there's, I'm not going to name companies, but there's a whole host of companies that can provide you with a service now. And it's a really simple way to make your life better and make the guest's life better as well. I mean, I, there's so many implications to, uh, you know, the the, 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 the the bot, and I perhaps I think some people may have uh, a bad taste of, how the, the the robots were when they first came out. I mean, I remember working in uh, online chat customer service in online casinos 20 plus years ago. <laughs> it was rudimentary, uh, but nowadays it, it, it's, it's seamless. I think it's also very important to remember the way someone, uh, you know, interacts with one, one of those robots or, you know, AIs. Um, like within their journey and th there's a high likelihood that they are at a time that's really very conducive to conversion uh, at least when they're not you know wanting to, to not willing to talk to you to complain but really to ask 
uh, a question about your services. Um, so it, it's it's like low hanging fruits in so many instances. Uh, and as and far as cost, it's very reasonable. If we take it in today's world as well, and this this is a global issue, it's some destinations worse than others, but we are literally millions of staff short in the travel tourism industry at the moment. Some destinations, the USA is incredibly short, the UK is incredibly short, parts of Northern Europe are incredibly short. So we have a massive issue of not enough staff in tourism at the moment travel and tourism, it's not going to be addressed in the short term by getting millions of staff re-entering the industry or getting lots of new people trained up. That's part of it. But we're not going to fill that gap that we have by by humans. Therefore, a lot of the processes that we do when you break them down can actually be done by artificial intelligence and robotic technology. You, we just have to put the effort in it. So if I, if I take an example, which people would tend not to think of, and it's in the hotel industry rather than tour operating, but we all stay in hotels and we all leave the room in the morning, we all come back and the room's clean because the maid has been in, cleaned the room, made the bed, done everything out. Everybody assumes that has to be a human. Whereas in reality, if you break down the processes of what the person who goes in to clean the room does, you end up with high 70 Different hotels have done once, but it's in the high 70s processes. Today, robots can do 95% of them processes. There's some things that they can't do, but they can do a lot. And they don't go sick. Way more than what people think about. And obviously, that's not in tour operating, that's hotels. But I just use that as an example to try and get operators to look what they do, particularly in the back end of the business, forward, front end as well. If you can break your stuff down into processes and then look at what technology can do to help each process, I think people will be surprised at what can be done. And that's going to allow you to grow and that's how you're going to scale. Because if you're intending to grow and scale by recruiting as many people as you used to do in the past, that's going to be quite difficult in most destinations. We already know it's near impossible in some destinations. So I mean... The good thing for 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 humans is that the interaction with humans will gain in value. Yes. Uh, like it's a little bit elitist to say that, but it's fairly similar to what's happening to concierges, also in hospitality, that are a that were already a dying breed pre-COVID, um, and. Basically, you know, COVID happened and many properties didn't call back their concierges. They basically just determined, I'm a three-star or two-star property. I don't need one. If my front desk can give the information, or even better, I can put an electronic kiosk or recommend an app or partner with XYZ company to, to recommend what the concierge normally would do. Uh, but they didn't disappear completely. If anything, they've gained uh, even a bigger stronghold in the four and five star properties where um, you, you want this extra touch. You want the, the the humanity that comes with a concierge that seems to understand your problems. I mean, let's face it, most of it could still be replaced by an AI, even in four and five star properties. Uh, but because it's a real want, people are willing to pay for it. Um, in hospitality, the other, the other place that really saw a 10-year jump in the future uh, has been restaurants. Um, and it, it was a very slow transition pre-COVID. Um, not so much so through, you know, automation and electronic, like, yes, there was a, the, the component of uh, credit card terminals on tables. That changed something phenomenal when it came to casual dining, because now suddenly, instead of having one waiter for eight tables or 10 tables, you now could use one for 12 or 15, because you had a terminal, meaning you had one less interaction needed 
with customers at the end of the day. You could have, so you could have less waiters to do the job. The, 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 the hospitality industry is in the, at the forefront when it comes to figuring out uh, ways of doing more with less staff. Um, yeah. And it's gonna continue this way, but I think it's because of the proximity that exists between hospitality and activities, uh, it's a really good model to look at and follow. Um, so I don't know we'll see we'll, we'll see what the future. Uh, you know. One of the again, it's all opportunity and threat, and this is a big one for me. I, I keep ranting on about this. I don't don't know if I'm getting through to anybody, but particularly for small operators, we need to realise that the vast majority of people who land in a destination. So, if we pick on New York today, because Jonathan, you're sitting in New York, we pick on New York. The vast majority of business uh, people who land in New York today are going to be self-guided. And it's, when I say the blast, we're talking high 80s, 90-odd percent of people will find their way around the city, will find what they want to book, and they will be self-guided. So our guided industry, as big as it is, is only a small part of the vast majority of travellers' journeys. Now, why, why is that important? Because the tools we have now in society are making self-guided easier and easier and easier. When I was young and I'm running around the world, there was no mobile phones, there was no internet, and you had a dog-eared guidebook that was way out of date. You couldn't speak the language of the people you were in, so it was all a bit of a human-to-human connection and lots of waving arms about and all the rest of it to try and find anything out. Today, when I go to a city and I sit down at a coffee shop and do people watching, all I see is people staring at their phones because the phone is guiding them or they've got their earbuds in, and the earbuds is guiding them. So we have this societal change that was already there. People like doing things for themselves anyway. We now have a societal change of self-guiding becoming a norm because they use it in so many other ways of life. So that is a threat to guided tours. So how should tour operators react against that as well? If you're the best history guide in New York, you're still not going to know as much history about New York as an AI is going to be able to find out. So Correct. Having... Like it's like it, you, no matter how big of a brain you may have, you're you you already lost the competition of knowledge. Um, yes. But it, it comes down to okay. Let's say uh, I'm just to still remain with the New York example. You know, there are books and books about the history of New York. How do you pick the facts that match a tour? And that's where the human component is very important. Like being able to still offer something that's narrated or, you know, the, 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 that that is unique, um, that also is, uh, you know, interspersed with the occasional um, uh, anecdote that's something that only a human can uh, do safely and, you know, w without failing. Um, and, and it's also interesting because it's taking, right now we're just talking about the component of like thinking of, uh, you know, the tour guide, but the truth is look at the, the people who are being served. Like the people who are being served want more. Like they want to be, you know, without their nose on their phone, without their nose on their tablet. Um, like, it's not just because it's a mental strain to be looking and finding activities and, you know, like like having them uh, running uh, smoothly. Um, there is a conscious determination. I'm willing to pay to be told uh, to, 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 to not have to strain my brains. It's phenomenal, but it, it's true. I mean, people just want like the, the easy way. So um, I don't think that there is much to, to be afraid of if you're a torpreneur. If anything, I'm looking at, you know, AI progresses as an opportunity for uh, increasing your product uh, offering um, 
we were talking before we started recording about something called NERFs, which is a neural radiance um, interface. It's something that's been put together by NVIDIA, which is a, you know, the, the graphics card manufacturer. Uh, so about seven years ago, six, seven years ago, there was a company called Lytro that used to develop cameras. And those cameras used to do something very interesting. It captured not just pictures, it captured the field of light. When you capture the field of light, you can refocus at infinitum a picture after it was taken. Meaning, for example, you're looking at me now, and you know, you're like, hey, I, I, a little bit like, I, I, do you remember Blade Runner, the original movie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how you have Decker, like, go and analyze a picture and go within the detail of the picture and then looking at the what for you and I is like a pixel, but somehow you can still magnify and see, you know, the person reflected in the mirror. Like you can do this with, when a, a picture capture is not so much so the pixels of, you know, a 2D uh, image, like color that's reflected on a, on a piece of paper, but when you're capturing the field of light. The problem with Lytro is that they realized that in order to film not just a, um, an image, but a piece of video, you needed, and again, you're talking about six, seven years ago, you need a, a petabyte per second to capture, like, like basically a, a, a full server room just to, to capture a minute of video. So, Really, that meant that it was not something that could be used by you know people in general. So now, fast forward with Nvidia's you know nerve system for for video capturing, or you look at Matterport, which has been used now predominantly in real estate for showcasing in VR, like showing you the real you know like renderings of a house. If you have an, a house, you have an interest in buying you now can actually create those massive 3D projections of a space using still images, 15, 20, 100 images, and it will reproduce the integrity of a place. So, because it might sound completely obscure to people who are uh, listening to us, let me give you an example. You're, let's say, on 42nd Street, Times Square, and you have 50 shots being taken simultaneously or within a very, very short amount, like span of time. 50 still shots. Because of those 50 or 100 still shots, you can now reproduce the integrity of Times Square with or without the people that are there. And you can drop a pin corresponding to you as a person wherever you want in this place and see it from that perspective. So that's basically using AI for the sake of doing what is called stitching or seaming, like the different pictures and obviously creating, you know, like like imagining what whatever voids might be like within the cover. But in essence, you can now walk down Times Square uh, in, in virtual reality or in augmented reality. So it, it's uh, what I was telling you uh, before we started the video. Uh, it's the closest thing to, uh, you know, the, the, the closest step before the next iteration, which is gonna be a holodeck, uh, you know, thing Star Trek, um, where you program, hey, I wanna visit Florence in you know the 15th century and you'll be in florence right today however this is still a still image it's still a still piece of time that you're capturing but i i wouldn't be surprised that 10 15 years from now we will be like stepping in the equivalence of the holodeck um it's happening it's happening very fast um sure if we're some of the entrepreneurs will have heard me say this before, but I'm going to repeat it until you're sick of hearing it. 
if you're in a high volume in destination city, New York, etc., London, Barcelona, Madrid, and you're doing tours that lots of other people are doing, this stuff is happening now. And the way to deal with it is your live human experiences done correctly are going to go up in value. So what does that mean? It means for putting a human in the experience, you're going to earn more money if the experience is worth the value. But enable, to enable you to do that, you're going to have to have other experiences that are going to be digital-led experiences that are using AI to get the content, to get the language. At the moment, even a really good guide can speak two or three languages. I used to have a guide who worked for me who could speak eight. I've never met anybody who speaks more than eight languages fluently. AI will be able to allow you to deliver your tour in any language that, that you want. Not just the language, but the dialect that you want as well. So what does that mean? It means if you're an existing tour operator at the moment dealing with 2,000 clients a year or 2,000 groups or 5,000 or 10,000, you're still going to be able to deal with that sort of number going forward with human people, human guides, high value, getting extra margin for it. But you're going to be able, even as a small operator, to deliver experiences to 50,000 people, 100,000 people, because they can be self-guided through mobile phones or whatever the smart technology is at the day, be it glasses, be it earbuds, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. You're going to be able to put content out at a completely different price point that's going to capture a bigger market share and not really damage your core business because there will always be people at enough scale who want the human input and who will be willing to pay for the human input and there'll be a lot of other people, because we are self-guided by nature, who want the self-guided part. To me, that is just a huge opportunity for small and medium-sized tour operators to scale up to be bigger operators, because they're never going to be able to scale up by employing more and more and more and more guides. It's just scaling tour operators is incredibly challenging because of the human element in it. Now we have all this technology that allows us to scale without using as many humans. And the humans that we do have, the guys that we do have, will be much better valued, higher valued, better paid. So that was a bit of a rant from me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just fascinated, like, by what's up next as far as, you know, what's coming. Um, in the realm of XR and, like, so AR and VR, um, there, there is also phenomenal progress that's happened in the last, you know, two, three years, um, and, and I'm, I'm really hoping to see more and more, like, see through. Um, give you an example, and again, I'm more anchored in, like, brick-and-mortar, like, attractions than tours, like, you know, like, uh, as far as infrastructures are, are concerned, but, like, um, you have buses in, in Rome now that offer you a, a, a VR experience where, Basically, the, the the windows of the bus turn into screens and start showing you Rome as it was, you know, 2,500 years ago. Um, and obviously, based on where you are in the city, it you know lifts or or, or brings those screen up and, and alive, and you get to see, you know, and, and compare and like see enjoy the dichotomy with. The dichotomy with the the, the scenery of, of Rome today, um, but I, I'm looking at it as just phenomenal opportunities to enhance the experience of customers. Um, a lot of people are looking at it as like a replacement, but no, I'm looking at it as you know an enhancement, um, and I think it's it's an important way of um, being more trust trusting of technology at large. One of the things I would advise all our listeners to do, tourpreneurs to do, is our cousins over in the attractions industry. Now, it's not a sector I'm interested in. I have no affinity with attractions at all. But if I was building my business again now, I would be doing my research in attractions. I would be spending time in attractions because they are definitely adopting, particularly RVR, at a much faster rate. Some of the things I've seen happening just blow your mind. So as a tourpreneur, book some time, take some time, go and visit these attractions that are heavy into this new technology use. Uh, 
you will be blown away, but then start thinking through, how can I start using some of that? And it won't be all of it. It will just be some of that. How can we then start designing this in tours? Because one, you'll be market leading. Therefore, you're going to get engagement with customers uh, earlier. Second, millions more people go to attractions than go to tours on tours. That's just the numbers. We know attractions take way more volume-wise. I don't know the data, but it's massively more people go through attractions than go on tours. So the people are going to start getting conditioned to all of this technology because of attractions. So operators have a chance here to learn off the attractions industry and then be leaders in the tour industry because the customers are going to expect it because of the attractions. Yeah, and, and it's uh, so both in like attractions, museums, uh, especially in in major markets, um, they, they, they don't have a choice. It's, you know, having a competitive advantage that really kind of, you know, forces them to stay at the top of the game. Uh, but even they are occasionally trailing. They're, they're uh, you know, as far as industry is concerned, tourism at large and travel is always a poor parent when it comes to adoption of technology. Um, and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Um, but being able to at least anticipate and start taking small gambles as to how to, if not adopt some technology, at least um, like make some contingency planning for you know when some things come up, it, it, I think is key. Um, you know, Web 3.0 is around the corner. As I said, we're really already in the metaverse, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you cannot ignore those things if you want your business to be doing well. Um, and it doesn't. Really, it, 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 it's more of a general like advice. It's not just one that's limited to entrepreneurs. Um, you have to pay attention, uh, and it's hard because obviously there's lots of noise. There's lots of like people talking about oh NFTs. In theory, blockchain is actually a phenomenal technology, and it will probably solve a lot of issues, especially when it comes to uh, ticketing. It doesn't matter if it's for attractions or live entertainment. Uh, but, yeah, there's not as much need wasting time reading about NFTs for the sake of, you know, the latest board ape painting that, you know, uh, has been put up on the market. Uh What's interesting is more like, okay, how can I apply? Or is there any sort of application for my market or for my uh, for, for, for my business? And I, I think that in many instances, people are just a little afraid rather than willing to uh, give a chance to, you know, at least see what technology can be applied to their business. Um, I mean... Innovation doesn't always necessitate technology, but it often does. Like it's it's uh, such a easy way of apply, of getting innovation. Um, so you know you have to you you have to know what's coming up uh, coming up. I mean that's something that's very interesting. So in the United States, um, the way destinations are like work oftentimes they'll have for the larger destinations they'll have a uh, you know a, a, what is called a dmo a destination marketing organization um many have switched especially during COVID, to what is called still a dmo but destination management organization so the, the m transformed from marketing to management um, but what's happening now and it's fairly shocking um, is a, a lot of DMOs are turning into DSOs, Destination Sustainability Organization. Um, and what's interesting is that since it's absolutely like it, it wasn't in their core, it wasn't a, a, a their their original function or intent when they were formed as nonprofits. Uh, they 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 kind of struggling with doing anything other than like, no, we don't want to in our destination, which is yeah. kind of shocking. Like, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Vermont or Hawaii, they're like, yeah, no, we 
we don't care for groups. We don't want you to come. We like it, it's it, it's really weird. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe the tech solution is not readily available like overnight. But for example, what I was explaining with NERFs, where you can offer someone like the opportunity for someone to visit a destination at its per like within its perfect condition, right? Like let's say being at Hawaii on uh, you know on, on a beach with the perfect uh, sunrise or sunset, uh, you know. You 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 have solutions to dealing with the fact that destinations need to still market themselves. They mustn't forget their their origin and their their original intent, and they mustn't fall within you know uh, the realm of um, yeah because of over tourism. I don't want to. I I feel like um, you know multiple factors are, are playing now against travel at large. Um, one of them, obviously, is the rising costs of travel. Um, like, I think we lived the last 20 years a phenomenal period for fast, cheap, easy travel pretty much across the globe, minus a couple of, you know, of countries. Um, it's increasing in price, but it's also diminishing as far as where you can go um Definitely. and it's happening fast like like the, the, this uh, this uh the, this whole i don't want to type of approach uh is growing in impact and it, me personally i'm shocked by such an approach um and i want to i, I would hope that destinations are already making considerations or trying to figure out how they're going to continue making their destination something that's, you know, something we should be looking uh, like something that's uh, appealing, something that, uh, you know, is still remain on someone's bucket list, even if it's more and more likely it's not going to become a uh, physical visit, but a virtual visit that eventually will happen in the future. So, I mean... So, as we finish up here, Jonathan, if you could just, because many of our listeners here will have listened to this, and I know because it's new and it's challenging, so let's just give our listeners one thing each that they should go off and have a look at that has been run by AI that will make a difference to their business. Um, uh, the easiest one, content AI, by far, super easy. Tools are readily available. They're not even in demo. Uh, use it. Like, use content, you know, that's generated by AI. Um, it's also available because, again, Torpreneur is, is all over the place, like, in multiple languages. Uh, it will even do all of your translations for you, uh, which I think is phenomenal. Um, so do it. it. It's it's so easy. Like there 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 shouldn't be any sort of hesitation. Um, now, looking at long term, like I think implications when it comes to uh, you know uh, XR and VR very important that at least you have some degree of understanding of, um, as I said, things like um, Art Glass, for example, which are like companies that are already building the world, like the AR world that the tourists of tomorrow will be visiting, where, you know, either through your phone or through glasses or lenses, we will have a superimposed layer of information across any and everything that that we see. Uh, and it is meant really to convey a lot of information uh, that we want. Um, like, I think that people forget or tend to forget that we've actually reached this point through microevolutions, um, at least in the US, uh, Kind of a blessing in disguise having to replace a cell phone every couple of years 
has offered the oper like operators an opportunity to shove the latest of technology to anyone uh, in a matter of you know of seconds, but try to be proactive about what you have at your disposal. Like that's the key to basically helping yourself like build your business as a future-proof business. Anticipate or ask about anticipation. That's what it's about. Okay, so content AI is where Jonathan's recommending you go. Tap it into Google. There's endless companies. A very popular one is Jasper AI. Uh, I use it myself. Many other people that I know use it. That's very good. In the video creation AI world, there's a, a company called Synthesia. Again, very good. Have a look up. My recommendation is to go to openai.com and just read about DALI, then put it on your favorites, and then go back in two months' time and have a read again, then put it on your favorites and go back in two months' time and have a read again, because you will just see where this content creation journey run by AI is going if you follow that. And if you don't action it, that's obviously up to you, but it will give you an idea. It will certainly give you ideas. It will give you ideas. It will make your brain jump. It will make you think, if I could do that, oh, look, I can do that at scale now rather than... Uh, doing it the way we were all doing it in the past. So, Jonathan, thank you very much for giving up your time in sunny New York. It's a pleasure. Chatting to me and all our audience on Tourpreneur.